Welcome to the Life Changing Principles Podcast, where we take a new principle every week and explore how it changes our lives. I'm Leanne Hunt, ready to jump into today's principle. We're talking today about sharing power, and I wanted to present some imagery about how we share power with our kids. This is from chapter one in the book, Goal Getters. Imagine you've been given control of a small country, complete and magical control. You're the steward, the president, the emperor, and social media manager all rolled into one. If you wave your hand and say the word, every factory in the country will start making hamburgers. You decide what goods are shipped where, how many churches are built, what exercise machines the gyms carry, which behaviors are illegal, what all the newspapers are talking about, and anything else you can think of. Decisions you make are accepted without question. Can you imagine how that would feel? Amaz- how amazing it would be to see things you decreed put into effect to aid the citizens without complaint or red tape. How tiring it might be to master all the moving parts of a functioning country. How overwhelming it might feel to single-handedly make decisions for all the citizens underneath you. This fantastical situation has some strong parallels to parenting. Specifically parenting a newborn when a parent's ultimate control is most obvious. Now, this control is somewhat of an illusion, as the citizens will do as they please. Babies cry when they want, poop when they feel like it, and get ill without our consent. Even as mythical rulers, we can't control how our subjects act. We can only control how we react and form the environment around them. As parents, we decide what our kids wear, what and when they eat, when they go to bed, who they spend time with, and so much more. We don't have to imagine how that experience feels Because we already know it's amazing because of how much we can help our children to grow and learn. It's tiring because of sleepless nights and constant supervision. It's intimidating because of how much we love our children and want good things for them in an uncertain future. We are, in a sense, the all-powerful rulers over the little countries we've birthed. Well, at least temporarily. It doesn't take long to learn that we're actually only stewards. Our decision-making powers are nearly absolute for the first year or so, but from then on, as our children learn to speak and think and voice opinions, we must slowly transfer power over every aspect of their lives to them. This theoretically should take about 18 years, and every little piece of power we hand over can be a struggle. A struggle for them to receive it and a struggle for us to give it. How does a good steward share or transfer power? How do we know when to let go of which things? How do we handle the messes, the relapses, and the emotional roller coaster of a developing monarch? When is their failure a sign of learning? And when is it a sign that we've given too much responsibility too soon? How do we keep our relationships from getting unbearably complicated? As temporary stewards, we can clearly see the beginning and the end points, We can see how much our brand new countries need us for everything when they're born, and we can imagine watching our purely independent countries with pride in the far future. But the path in between is paved with doubt. And this doubt is amplified by the fact that we've got to simultaneously run our own country. We've got our own taxes and laundry and friends and meal plans and careers and hobbies to worry about. Maybe we've even got three or four other little countries we're stewarding over at the same time. Sometimes it's hard to know how to allocate our limited resources and attention. I like this idea of transferring power between ourselves and our children. 
like we have the power at the beginning and at the end they need all the power. And we don't want to find ourselves with a 17 and a half year old realizing that we still have 40% of the power that we need to hand over to them in those last few months that they're at home with us. We want to find ways to appropriately share power with them so that they learn to regulate themselves. They learn to be responsible themselves and to figure out how to manage and handle the power of their own life. I think this analogy introduces us to the concept of sharing power, but I think we also need some really specific skills for how to share power. Like, how does that actually work? I was teaching a course on this this morning on how to share power, and there were quite a few different ideas that came up about how we do that. So first of all, we have to actually have respect for our kids and have them respect us. And one of the cool ideas that came up was to actually look for respect and disrespect as you're watching TV with your kids or as kind of a little challenge to go out about the school day or whatever it is and say, look for respect and disrespect and come back and let's talk about what you think is respectful and disrespectful. And it gets you just talking about the idea. Another way to share power is what we call the one-liner dance. We've already learned in a previous podcast how to do the one-liner. That's the, I feel, about, because, I need, will you? And so, for example, you might say, I feel worried when you leave your project downstairs in the living room because we have little kids and they might put those small pieces in their mouth. I need order down here, so would you be willing to either do the project in your room or take the project out with you when you leave the room? That's a one-liner. The one-liner dance is when you realize that bringing up the one-liner, which is what you need or what you want, might provoke some kind of reaction in your kids, which is normal and natural. And so you're prepared for that. So when you say your one-liner, what you need for them to move the things out of the way, then they might say, why are you always picking on me? How come you ever pick on Sam? Sam is always doing this kind of stuff and it's only me that you ever hassle with this kind of stuff. It's just not fair. At that point, you do the second half of the dance, which is you listen and name the emotion. It sounds like you're feeling unfairly treated. Yeah, I am. As soon as they've calmed just a bit because you've heard them and identified their emotion, then you go back to your one-liner. When you leave your project down here, I feel worried because we have little kids. I'm afraid they're going to put them in their mouths and choke on them. Would you be willing to take it to your room or to take it out with you every time you leave the room? Well, that's such a stupid idea. That's so inconvenient. How could you think I'm going to take this out every single time I do it? Again, you do the dance. You listen it out. So it sounds like that would be really inconvenient and frustrating for you. Yeah, it would be. Then you go back to your one-liner. I'd like to get both of our needs met. When you leave your stuff here, I feel worried because... And you can see that you're repeating the exact same thing. And they start figuring it out too. They're like, okay, she's never going to let this go. I've got to figure this out. His next objection might be, well, I'm doing my project, but I want to watch TV while I'm doing it because it doesn't take that much brain power. And so this is the only place where there's TV. So if I could have a TV in my room, then I'll do it up there. And then it opens a whole new discussion of needs. Not necessarily that you're going to get him a TV for his bedroom, but a way to allow him to do his projects while he's watching TV, but also allow things to be safe for the the little kid who's not going to 
put something in their mouth and choke on it. Another way to share power is to have family meetings. We used to have family meetings and we would just take turns with input on the kinds of things we were talking about, where we wanted to go on vacation, how are we going to handle chores, what were we going to do about homework routines. In a family meeting, everyone gets to have a say. It's not necessarily a democracy where you just vote and then you know, whoever gets the most votes win, but you do all get to have input so we can have our needs met and we can hear each other. We used to have a little talking stick that we would use for a while because we were so used to going so fast and talking over one another that we didn't take the time to listen and be sure that everyone was heard. So the talking stick allowed us to listen to whoever had the stick was the only one who could talk. And then when they were done talking, they could move it to somebody else who raised their hand so that we could all get heard and all practice listening. We didn't use it for long, but it did help us learn to listen to one another better. Another example of ways that we can share power is taking turns in letting our kids lead. So let's say for these family meetings, instead of always having an adult conduct the family meeting, let them conduct and lead it and start it and and read off the agenda. They can do that kind of thing and it helps them to feel like they're a part of it and that they can lead. Maybe you can help them lead by letting them choose an activity. Maybe you can take turns with how you actually choose which movie to watch or choose what snacks to have or, or choose what you're doing for dinner. Maybe you can let them choose an activity and actually plan it, maybe going on a hike, something like that. In class, we discussed a really interesting activity called Four Corners where you label four different corners with me, you, together, and other, and then you read off a list of decisions and everybody goes to the corner of who makes that decision. So what time you go to bed? Do I decide that or does someone else decide that? And you go to that corner and you can kind of see where everybody is. How about what movies I watch, when I do homework, where I do homework, what I do for fun, how I wear my hair, how, which clothes we buy, I buy, which clothes I wear, um, who chooses the music in the car, what kind of meals do we have. And when you have a big list of things like that, you can begin to see the patterns of, oh wow, maybe I'm making way too many of these decisions and my kids never get to have a say in their lives. I think it's an interesting activity to learn a little better how to share power. Anytime you go about trying to learn how to share power, or trying to share power, it's going to require some hard conversations. Hard conversations are hard because you know they're going to evoke emotions and it's hard to stay constant with what you're actually talking about when people have high emotions instead of bringing in all kinds of other things. And most people don't like conflict. They don't like being disagreeable or being disagreed with. They don't like the contention. They don't like the emotion. They're not sure what to do with it. And so sometimes they'll get too agreeable and just let things pass or they'll just get silent and not bring things up. As parents, we want to learn how to have these hard conversations so that we can more openly and transparently share the power in our family so people aren't making moves to grab power in other ways. If we don't talk about it, it will come out in other ways. One thing I like to do in hard conversations is I just like to take an apple, put it on the table and label it with the topic at hand. So we're going to be talking about eating on the carpet and that's all we're talking about. We're not talking about anything else. We're not talking about me or you or who's controlling or who's lazy or we're, it's not about judging and anything about the person. It's about eating on the carpet. Let's talk about what you need, what I need, 
what your thoughts are, what my thoughts are, what your feelings are, what my feelings are, so we can just get this out in the open. There's a number of things that you can do in these hard conversations to make them go a little bit better and make it more likely you'll be able to share power in a way that gets both needs met. And that's probably the best definition for sharing power is doing things in a way where everybody gets their needs met. These questions come from nonviolent communication, which is a style of communication where you can get what you need without causing contention. And these particular questions came from a woman named Marianne Van Dyke with Cup of Empathy. The questions that she has are, can I interrupt you for a moment? Something's going on in me. And so in the middle of a conversation, she'll find a way to interrupt if things feel like they're getting emotional, but she wants to stop and talk about it. Another conversation or another question that she has is, do you have space to listen to me for like 10 minutes? The principle underneath both of these specific questions is gaining permission. Things go better when you gain permission to talk to someone. Hey, can I interrupt you? Or hey, can I, do you have space to listen to me for 10 minutes? I love that question because it lets them say, no, I'm super stressed out right now, or I'm busy, or okay, it's 10 minutes, I can create some space, and it starts off the conversation in a better way. Another way to have hard conversations about sharing power is how would it be for you to, and it's a way of checking in with them. So you're asking them to do something, but instead of just saying, I need you to, will you do this? You can say, well, how would it be for you to take out the trash first thing in the morning when you get up? How would it be for you to, and so you're exploring ideas with them and checking in with them. Another question that she has is, would you be willing to try this for, and then you just say a time, like an hour or a week or for three times here? And the principle underneath that is giving them an exit plan. When you're talking about sharing power, it can be contentious because you want different things and you need different things. And so in order to make the best experience possible, give them an exit plan. Instead of saying, from now on, this is the way we're handling this, you can say, well, that's one solution, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. How about if we try that for a week, and then let's come back next week, and we'll talk about it. So then they know it's not permanent, and they're probably more willing, and you might be more willing to try this new solution that came up about how to share power in whatever circumstance it is. The next thing is, can I think about it and let you know tomorrow? I really like this one because the principle of it is checking in with yourself. Like starting to think, how do I really think and feel about this? And it's hard to do that on the fly. So sometimes we need a little bit of space to say, hey, can I think about that and let you know tomorrow? So some of these conversations won't get resolved all at once, but through a series of conversations, we can hear each other, figure out what our needs are, and then be thinking about ways to try different solutions. And the principle underneath this is, checking in with yourself. It's also a really great policy when, if you have a hard time saying no. If you just make a policy for yourself that, yeah, I always just need to check in and let you know the next day, that's just the way I run. The first month of doing that is gonna be super, super awkward. It's gonna be like, I can't believe I just said that and told her I would tell her tomorrow. But once you've done it for a month, it's like learning a new skill, like learning to ride a bike, learning to tie your shoes. You took a week or two to do that, and then you know forever. Once you learn that skill of saying, hey, can I think about it and let you know tomorrow, 
it just becomes a part of who you are and natural. And everyone around you is going to know, oh yeah, that's just her. That's how she handles it. She will never tell you today. She'll just let you know tomorrow. The last couple questions are, I would really like to find a way to get both our needs met. It's not a question, but it's a statement of intention. And that is the underlying principle is setting intentions. How do we set intentions here? Another question is, I would prefer to do X because I have a need for Y. And that's, again, not a question, but it's actually a statement. And if someone has asked you to do something or they've you know, come up with a proposal, you can do this counter or alternate proposal by saying, I would prefer to do this because it meets my need for this. And it makes sense to them and they might be more willing to try what it is you're talking about in sharing power in this hard conversation. Sharing power, it seems like it has kind of a lot of moving parts. And it does. There's probably a dozen skills to get really good at in order to be good at sharing power. But just like we talked about with the learning to tie your shoes or learning to ride a bike, those skills only take a couple of weeks. They take some work, but they only take a couple of weeks. It's the same with sharing power. Learning how to ask permission or to check in with somebody or to give them an exit plan or to experiment and just try things for a period of time or to how to check in with yourself or how to set intentions and, and how to propose alternatives. All of those are individual skills that can be learned and that are powerful. It is worth the effort to learn these skills and the underlying principles in order to more effectively share power within your family. It's worth it. Thanks for being here and taking a little time out of your busy life for personal development. I applaud you for that. We take change one step at a time. You're already on your way. You're already enough. You've got this. Have a great week and we'll see you for the next principle.